This is MKFM, joined this morning by Hayley Geen, Associate Solicitor at the Family Law Group. Hayley, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well. Lovely to talk to you. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about your role at the Family Law Group and what you do. Of course, I'm a senior associate at Family Law Group. I've been working with them around six years now, and I predominantly work from our Bedford office, but used to work at the Milton Keynes office. As a firm, we solely specialise in family law, so I have a particular specialism in care proceedings, children proceedings, which includes contact and residence disputes, and I have a particular specialism in domestic abuse as well. Interesting. Now, I know that's primarily what we're talking about today is domestic abuse. Um, Let's start at the beginning, I guess. What is domestic abuse? How is it defined? Thank you. I think that's a really important question, as I do believe there remains a misconception amongst many that if there hasn't been physical abuse in the relationship, then there hasn't, they haven't been subjected to domestic abuse. And that isn't correct. So the definition of domestic abuse is an incident or pattern of incidents or controlling coercive or threatening behaviour, which can encompass but is not limited to psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse and emotional abuse. So, so that is quite a wide range of ways that it can be perpetrated then. Is it something that even when you're the victim might be hard to recognise or identify? Yes, we see that a lot in our work where somebody may reach out because they think they may be a victim of domestic abuse. But once we start to ask them some questions and get a wider understanding of their relationship, they are quite often subjected to all of those elements of abuse, but right. they're not aware of it at the time. Interesting. Okay, so quite often they're they're linked or sort of feed into each other. Yes, that's right. And, and a perfect example is somebody may be subjected to controlled behaviour where the husband doesn't allow them to access the finances or doesn't allow them to spend money on themselves or the child. And that interlinks with financial abuse as well. So it shows how it can interlink so quickly. Interesting. So if someone is the victim of domestic abuse, what sort of support can they seek or where where would you start? The starting point would be, for a family perspective, would would be to contact family law solicitors such as Family Law Group who can assist them in applying for and obtaining protective orders through the family court. And those orders are called non-molestation orders and occupation orders. Hmm. Tell us what that involves and like what is a protective order? So a non-molestation order is an order that prohibits an individual from carrying out certain acts of behaviour towards another person. So the terms of an order can include provision to prohibit an individual from using or threatening violence against them, from intimidating, harassing or pestering them, from sending abusive or threatening communications to them. And it can also limit all communications between the parties to such an extent that they cannot contact their ex-partner, for example, at all. And a non-molestation order can also be extended to protect the children of the family and can prohibit an individual from coming within a certain distance of the property or attending a school provision, nursery provision, if there's concerns in that regard as well. And these are legally enforceable, these orders? Yes, so it's important to note that for the orders to be enforceable, they have to have been personally served upon the other party. So once the normalisation order or occupation order has been granted, then immediate, immediate steps are taken to serve the other party with the orders. At the point of service, they are enforceable. And a normalisation order, it's 
a criminal offence to breach that order. So if they have been served and a breach of the order occurs, then we strongly encourage anyone to contact the police to report the breach because it is a serious, very serious offence to breach a normalisation order and carry can carry a sentence of five years imprisonment or a fine or both. Wow. With an occupation order, slightly different where you have to apply for a power of arrest to be attached to the order but once that is applied the same principle applies that upon service it is enforceable and if they breach any part of the occupation order the police should be contacted and how long do these orders last for are they indefinite no so occupation orders are typically granted for six to twelve months and that depends on the rights the individual has to the property normalization orders can be granted for longer periods again between six and twelve months but they can be granted until further order and in exceptional cases they can be made indefinite wow uh, this is fascinating i must admit i didn't know any of this before we spoke this morning so thank you um uh, what well, i imagine many people particularly victims of domestic abuse will be scared to maybe challenge it or try and deal with it for fear of how the other party might react what would you say to anyone who's in that situation Yes, this is certainly not uncommon and we see that a lot in our line of work. There are two ways in which you can apply for a normalisation order, an occupation order. The first is with notice and that entails making an application to the court and then the matter is listed for a hearing to enable the other party to have notice of the application, attend the hearing and set out their position as well. What that means in that intervening period, there's no order of protection in place. In situations where individuals are extremely fearful of the repercussions of making such an application, then they can apply for an order without notice, often referred to as ex parte. And this is when an application is lodged with the court and on that same day is before a judge for a hearing to consider the granting of a normalisation order or occupation order. We would only pursue that where there is grounds to do so. But once the judge has made the order, urgent arrangements are then made to serve the other party and that's when it's enforceable immediately. So in that instance, the first time the other party is aware their ex-partner or family member has applied for an order against them is the moment they are served. So it gives them immediate protection in those circumstances. Interesting. And is this a, a, a costly process? Like how much does it cost? And what would happen if someone is maybe the victim of financial abuse, like you mentioned at the start? So legal aid is available in these circumstances and it is subject to a means and merits test. So the means test is a kind of robust financial assessment of all your income, your capital, takes into account some outgoings. And the merits assessment will look at effectively the strength of the application and in the legal aid view, whether you would succeed, do you have high prospects of success in applying for an order? So the test is quite high and even if you're over the financial test there's ways in which you could still be eligible for legal aid and domestic abuse matters but you may have to make an income or capital contribution towards that hmm. in the event that contribution was too high or they weren't able to provide evidence then they do have the alternative of inspecting solicitors privately and firms such as ourselves family law group we do offer fixed fee packages for that to try and assist in those circumstances in situations where there is financial control that is acknowledged by the legal aid agency and quite often an individual may not have access to any sort of funds or even access to bank accounts so in those circumstances the legal aid agency does take that into account and quite often those individuals are then still eligible for legal aid yeah right well good to know there is support available and 
Besides the orders, what other support is out there for victims of domestic abuse? So in relation to Milton Keynes, there is an incredible local service called MK Act, and they offer numerous services to victims of domestic abuse, and whether that's signposting them to solicitors, refuge options, housing. They also, I believe, offer the Freedom Programme, which is great. And there's also organisations throughout the country. So there's quite often a women's aid and victim support within each area. And there is more national services, including Refuge and the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. And all of those are such key services to domestic abuse. And would it be the victim that has to reach out to those services themselves? Or could you reach out on behalf of someone else if you were maybe concerned about someone you know? Yes, absolutely. So if a client sought help from us in respect of domestic abuse and, for example, they didn't want to remain in the property but had no other options as to where to go, Mm -hmm. then refuge options should be considered and we can signpost them on. And also medical professionals, the police, the local authority will always refer and signpost victims to organisations within the area as well. Yeah, it's good. It's certainly good to hear that there are there is so much support available for anyone who needs it. Um, what other steps should people take to maybe safeguard themselves from domestic abuse? There's one scheme that I think is really important is is known as the Domestic Violence Disclosure Scheme, also known as Claire's Law, and this gives anyone a right to ask the police if they believe that they know, that they or someone they know is in a relationship with an individual that could be abusive towards them. So there's a process that enables them to contact the police and provide, if they're entering into a relationship, their details. And the police, upon doing their searches, if there was a history of domestic abuse or controlling and coercive behaviour, then the police can lawfully, yet safely, pass on that information to the individual. And if there is information that's quite sensitive or may change the nature of their relationship, the police can also support them through that process as well. Good to hear. I mean, it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you with this morning, Hayley. I feel like I've learned so much about domestic abuse that I didn't know previously. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, if anyone is in the situation where, you know, maybe they're a victim or concerned about someone, what should they do in the absolute first instance? It would depend on the urgency. If it was a situation that was escalating quite quickly, contact the police. They are there to assist. And Thames Valley Police especially have a specialist domestic abuse unit there. Next step, contact solicitors. We can apply for urgent orders and they can often be obtained within 24 to 48 hours. So we do prioritise domestic abuse work. We do prioritise and note the urgency that these orders cannot wait. Time is of the essence. And thirdly, contact other support services as necessary as it's not a simple case of just getting an order and they're then okay. There's quite often a lot of work that follows, whether it's counselling, therapy or pending courses to help them with effectively the journey that they've been going through in their relationship absolutely yeah so uh, so do reach out to the the family law group if you feel like you need support Haley Gein is an associate solicitor at the family law group Haley, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you thank you so much for your time thank you so much